Rudex is a lie. There, I said it. I haven't seen a single cicada. This cold snap we've had has put them back underground. Not one. It's a myth. It's a lie. I don't believe it. Welcome to an hour of your life. My name is Kim and I'm slightly irritated at the fact that Brood X is a lie. And my name is Steve. So, <laughs> so, so here we are. I'm putting up with Kim's <laughs> irritations today. It's been a week. I'm telling you. It has. All right. Well, you know what? But it has finally arrived. What has finally arrived? We, at an hour of your life, are declaring today, call it whatever you want to. It's either VV Day or VC Day. Take your choice. Victory over Corona or Victory over Virus Day. On June 2nd, which is tomorrow, Ohio will be lifting all health mandates with a few exceptions like medical facilities, nursing homes, public transportation, things like that. But they're all gone. Life should be getting back to normal. Uh, life is already really getting back to normal in a lot of places. They're not even waiting for June 2nd. Yeah. Uh, you can go pretty much anywhere in, in the Dayton area and not have a mask on. Even though people have the signs up to say mask required. Yeah, nobody's. I think it's just... It's, yeah, it's, nobody's it's, gotten around to taking them down yet. It's, or, it's, it's worth no one's time or effort to argue. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, it's whatever. So would you please put your mask on? Yeah. It's like, why even fight it at this point? Yeah. So yeah. in this episode, we're going to chronicle the virus in Ohio and our experiences as we live through this chapter in world history. Now, we realize, of course, that the virus is still out there. We're not saying corona has been eradicated. Um, we're just declaring that we are better than it. Uh, and we're recognizing the governor's lifting of the Department of Health's mandates in the state of Ohio. The state of Ohio. Your state may be different. Correct. But this show is about what we experienced. Yeah. And we, we look back, um, we kind of documented our own little way. Yeah. We went we back and several refused, episodes. Yeah, yeah. Or at least mentioned things that happened. Well, I but, mean, it's kind of been a big deal for the last... Yeah. But you know what? It's It seems Ohio took action earlier than some states, but it doesn't seem that Ohio was restrictive as some states. It's just, it seems like they took action a lot earlier. And we'll talk about that a little mm -hmm. bit later in the show as we go through the chronological order. In this episode, we're going to document the Ohio timeline and our reflections of how it affected us, just a normal Ohio family. Our experiences may be similar to yours, or they may be totally different. Now, to set the stage, while we may talk about political decisions, we're only documenting what happened. We're not going to comment. Uh, what We're going to try not to comment about our beliefs, about whether it was a good decision, bad decision. Um, and as always, we encourage you to listen to the facts, make up your own mind. What's our motto? Do your own research and educate yourself. Now, certainly this virus weirdly turned political very quickly. That is like the one thing on a, that, on a dime, as some people say, that is the one thing that I will say. I, regardless of where your politics lie, I will say that viruses don't vote. So, uh, the fact that it turned political is purely an, uh, person thing. It's not, it's I would not say a virus. this virus finally drove you off Facebook. It did. It did. It did. 
Uh, on the extremes, you either believed it was all fake designed to control us, or it was greatly exaggerated, believing it was nothing more than the seasonal flu. Now, oh. I would like to step in right here real quick and say, I don't even like getting a common cold. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Now, on the other side of the extreme, it was the apocalypse and it was the end times. If you didn't wear your mask in your house and you didn't go out of your house for anything. And I have encountered some of those people. We just saw somebody. Who literally did not leave their house. I, look, I'm just going to say somebody was going out for toilet paper at the beginning was, of all yeah, this. Yeah. Let us remember the great toilet paper shortage of 2020. It was ridiculous. <laughs> You might have had your toilet paper delivered where you let it sit outside for 24 hours and then used an entire can of Lysol to disinfect it before you brought it inside. And I hope that you had it on a covered porch so that you didn't spend all that money on your toilet paper hoard and then it got wet and you couldn't use it. Look, I, I think it's fair to say that this was a new, or in their term, a novel virus. And the scientists, you know, to be fair, they didn't know exactly how it was spread. You know, it was either spread by contact through air, or they just didn't know how because it had never been seen before. If you, I think we've mentioned it on the show before, but there's a really good movie on Netflix called Death to 2020. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, take a break, go watch it. It's Memorial Day. You probably might have the day off work today. Um, so it, there's, it's what better time? Um Go watch Death to 2020. It's a satire. It's got Samuel Jackson in it. It's got Lisa Kudrow. It's got Hugh Grant. Uh, and it's got a scientist. I'm not sure the gentleman who plays him. I'm not familiar with his work, but um, he's very funny. And he is like the epitome of the scientists in 2020 trying to figure out what the heck is going on with this virus. Yeah. As, as new data or evidence came in was studied, I know I accepted it as they learned as the scientists learned mm -hmm. and they had to put out new guidance. I mean, sure. it, it, it was new, so they didn't know. And so they kind of went figure, off. Gotta, gotta how, you figure know, it out as we go. Old viruses that we know did this, but this is new. And, and scientifically, you can't base your assumptions on how it was. You right. can you can start with that assumption, but then you have to figure out really what's going to happen. Now, it's, like, it's like, I think of it like horses and zebras. Like people know what a horse is, but imagine encountering a zebra for the first time. Like it looks kind of like a horse, but it's a little different. Does it eat the same things? Does it need the same things? We can kind of guess based on looking at a horse what a zebra would eat, but we really don't know. Yeah. But you know what? A lot of people took this as evidence that we were being lied to. Mm -hmm. And some people took it as just complete government ignorance stupidity yeah or whatever <laughs> incompetence confusion was spread i there was a lot of confusion because of all the changing information but i was able to accept this they got new data and they adjusted what they did and so personally i appreciated that it was hard keeping track of everything and i can understand how some people really it, it made it confusing and frustrating I say frustrating is the biggest word. Many times the information conflicted with what official government agencies were putting out and information was being put out by when other information was being put out by organizations or other individuals. So, I mean, it wasn't all coming from one source. You had everybody. And all this did was 
was spread confusion. I mean, I think fear too. It spread fear because we as as humans fear the unknown, and there's a lot of unknowns with this. Um, I think there what you know we don't know what to expect we don't know what's going on and so we are afraid of okay well if i do this am i going to get it if i don't do this am i going to not get like it people just didn't know um and so a lot of people were afraid and when people are afraid they react um excessively fight or flight yeah but it it was the 24 hour news cycle the experts came out on tv and they gave their opinion experts in air quotes yeah I'm, I'm just guessing, but I'm willing to bet most of the opinions were based on their opinion without any knowledge of any actual facts of this particular virus. It was just yeah. people came on and it seems like spouted a lot of, off their opinion to me. Seems, That's what I saw. Yeah, a lot of these quote-unquote expert opinions were seemed to be just a little bit of fact from this thing and a little bit of fact from that thing and a little bit of fact from over here, and they just kind of made a mishmash and and figured it out based on their worldview and and everything else. And it wasn't really, um, but to be fair, most of the true expert opinions were based on their knowledge of how viruses typically behave. But like you said, this was a novel virus and nobody knew how it would behave. So, I mean, it's like there's a difference between herpes and chicken pox. Yeah. They're both viruses. Right. Yeah. So, but they're just different viruses. So anyway, yeah, it, understand the point but absolutely i'm just saying all the opinions help spread confusion and distrust and with everyone being out of work and just sitting on the internet yeah. it just oh my gosh then we you had, got tiger king in the middle of all of it <laughs> yeah we, we, we had to sort out actual medical opinions who could talk in historic generalities from experts who had better knowledge because they had actual data and information on this virus. Then let's throw in all the armchair experts that got their degrees in virology and medicine through Facebook and the University of Google. Yeah, and then you have those people who are I'm in the medical field. Well, yeah, so am I. I work at a I, I work at a, a medical massage studio. That doesn't mean I'm in the medical field. It means that I work someplace where people, you know, I I do medicine. Okay, you're no. No, you don't. You you work you're, at GNC. <laughs> you're not in medicine. Yeah, because you're working at the call center. Right, yeah. Doesn't mean that you're a medical expert right. on this. But yeah, I mean, people had to throw in all of their little qualifiers for everything to give credibility to their expert opinion. Yeah. Okay, but then let's throw in the memes and the documented, and I say documented false information being spread by fringe groups, extremists, and by foreign governments, all designed for whatever reason. Maybe it was for to influence our elections, or maybe it was done just for them to sit back and have a good laugh at the world's expense. I Social media was the tool to spread that misinformation, and I don't ever remember hearing the term colloidal silver until the pandemic and shutdowns and everything. Essential oils were not really too much on my radar before all of this. And it's like all of these like new age, I don't even know what the term is, but like people who believe in alternative medicines and herbal cures and 
this tincture and that tincture. And yeah, some of those things help offset syndrome or not syndromes, symptoms, symptoms. That's the word I'm looking for, but they're not going to cure the virus. But all of the people came out of the woodwork. Yeah. Oh, oh, and let's not forget all the different conspiracy theories tied to this virus. Yeah. Like the five G towers. How could we forget? Let's burn down a couple five G towers. Or, because Bill, it's spreading, yeah. Bill Gates created the virus in order to create the vaccine so he could sell the vaccine so more people would buy Microsoft products. That backfired and ended in a divorce. Or my personal favorite, when they created the test and they were planting microchips in our brains so we could be tracked and controlled. Yeah, if you... Uh, Is that big microchip? <laughs> big mic- No, it's a t- t- very tiny microchip, which that was one of the things. Um, if you are not vaccinated whatever. Um, but when I got my vaccine, I remember the first shot, I literally did not even feel it. And I hate needles. Um, and so I remember laughing when I got my shot in the tech going, are, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I just, the size of that microchip must be so incredibly tiny. I didn't even feel it going into my arm. And he said, yeah, yeah, I know. But I remember, you know, when they first started giving the vaccinations, they were filming the people getting their first shots. And then with, <laughs> I with it was whatever kind of silly, but. whatever device they used to cover the needles, it was opened up. And I remember people saying, look, they're not even using real needles. That's fake. You have to take the whole cap off. I mean, people went crazy yeah. over this stuff. I hope people kind of go back. I hope. I can't wait till the one-year memes start popping up on <sighs> Facebook. I but. Who knows if people will do that. Now, like we said, this is this episode is our experience during the past several months. Yeah. And sometimes Kim and I can be a little cynical on some of this sometimes. stuff. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> but look, we first mentioned this episode back on episode 34. Wow. We are now on episode 94. That's crazy. That's how we've kind of been keeping track of all this. Yeah. Episode 34, we opened by saying what a surreal week it had been. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it's so weird how cyclical things are. Like our little granddaughter, Nora, had been in the hospital. Weirdly, she was kind of back in the hospital again this week. She's fine. She's good. Everything's okay. But um, the governor announced that schools would be closed for at least three weeks and all bars and restaurants would be closed on Sunday night at 9 p.m. And so it began. Now, acting on advice from Ohio Department of Health Director Amy Acton, who is Dr. One, of, Amy. Uh, one of my personally favorite people, um, and I'm so mad at all the people that were mean to her. She got death threats. She People were so mean to her. They like basically made her want to quit, which is well, awful. Y'all should be ashamed of yourselves. Well, up in Michigan, they tried to kidnap the governor of Michigan. <sighs> it's disgusting. The anyway, world went crazy. Anyway, uh, Governor DeWine was one of the first state governors to sound the alarm about the coronavirus threat taking action before Ohio had any confirmed cases. Now, there's a news agents, agency called Axios. They kind of hailed him, called him among the leading governors in the country, sounding an alarm about the threat of coronavirus. Yeah, I remember he was like the national hero there for a minute. The Washington Post called his and Dr. Amy's response a national guide to the crisis and textbook recommendations, pointing out numerous occasions when moves taken by Ohio were soon followed by other states. The Hill said he'd been, quote, one of the most aggressive governors in responding to the pandemic. Prior to the state having any confirmed cases on March 3rd, DeWine made the decision, when we say DeWine, we're talking about the governor of Ohio, made the decision to cancel the Arnold Classic. 
which was a move the Washington Post, uh, they said, well, this is radical at the time. This was an estimated economic impact to the state for $53 million. Now, the Arnold Classic was a thing that happened in Columbus, and I believe it was like for bodybuilders and, and places like that. Yeah. And so that was kind of looked at as a very, very extreme. It was very controversial Chicken little, the, the sky is falling. Yeah. yeah. On March 5th, when the state still had no confirmed, confirmed cases, DeWine and Acton they held a summit on COVID-19 preparedness for public health officials in the state. Now, DeWine declared a state of emergency on March 9th when the state had only three known cases. That same day, he asked colleges and universities to go to online classes. And within days, many colleges and universities had taken steps to comply. On March 12th, he announced that all schools from K-12 through would close for a three-week break starting March 16th, and he was the first governor to announce statewide school closings. And I remember at the time, there was a lot of criticism of his word choice because at that point, I know um, Kellen was on spring break, and he, he said, think of it as an extended spring break. And that was kind of the first criticism, I think. Well, this is when the daily news briefs came on at two o'clock two o'clock wine yeah, and, with wine. and there was nothing, nothing to do so you went yeah you, you got your wine and you sat down and watched tv for, for i don't drink wine you, well you don't drink wine everybody else had wine with wine at two o'clock so this was the beginning of criticism and the beginning of alcoholism for a lot of people during the pandemic um but yeah and it was that was one of the things that kind of um got brought up several times was word choice um, because I think a lot of politicians don't realize from the boots on the ground perspective that (laughs) Steve makes fun of me all the time for saying words are important and they matter. Um, But extended spring break, that means something different to administrators and school officials than it does to politicians because extended spring break does that mean that they now have, are they going to have to make up that time? Um, how does that get, how does that work from a pay perspective for hourly employees? How does that work as far as, um, you know, are, are teachers exempt from coming in during this time? Nobody knew anything. And I remember too, it was um, the school district that we were living in at the time, they were on spring break It was their first day of spring break when he announced that schools were going to be shutting down. And so nobody was prepared. They didn't have their laptops with them or anything else, whereas a lot of other districts hadn't gone on spring break yet. And they had a couple days to prepare and get laptops or iPads or whatever. Whoever sold Chromebooks made a fortune. Yeah. Um, So it was it was definitely a scramble for parents and caretakers. Um, They had to try to find childcare all of a sudden. Um, Schools had to figure out a plan. I mean, literally overnight. Yeah, schools had to plan figure out a plan of uh, action. The Ohio Department of Education updated their guidelines for ensuring school children received meals, announcing that each district would make independent decisions about providing reduced and free breakfast to lunch um, to students during the break but encouraging districts to ensure needs were met and stating the department would continue to reimburse districts for meals served during the closure. Um, I remember there were, you know, back then, and I think it kind of tapered off eventually, but back then there were lines, like you could just go through a drive-thru and 
Um, they would have brown bag lunches that you could go through and pick up for your kids and take home. Um, that move also had many experts worried because unfortunately, teachers and daycare workers are the ones who are trained to see and recognize child abuse. Um, and some teachers would slyly play games with kids on their Zoom calls to get them to raise their hands. And, or, this, and this type of stuff angers some people. Well, it's not the teacher, teacher's jobs to do this. It kind of is. But in reality, it's the teachers yeah, and those daycare workers that see this. And, and they're, they're mandatory reporters. They are mandatory reporters and they are trained. Um you know, I was a teacher and a daycare worker for many, 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 many years. Uh, and, and we received specialized training. We know what to look for. We know the signs. We know things that um, the average person may not realize. And we kind of know, and there are rules too, as far as um, reporting. Like you can't, you're not really, you can't ask leading questions or anything like that. Um, and, and a lot of, uh, people may not realize that. And so they, it may not necessarily be a good part of their job, but frankly, it is a part of their job. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It, yeah, it's there. It's a sucky part of the job, but it is a part of the job. And so, um, kudos to those teachers and, and, uh, people who are trained to look for that kind of thing on figuring out sneaky ways to kind of get around, um, not being able to see their kids in person every day and, and still taking their job as a caretaker, um, and protector very seriously. Now, as we go through the timeline, just pay attention to the dates of how quickly within weeks, days and weeks, all this stuff happened. Yeah. As you know, as they're learning about the virus, the governments had to quickly adapt and learn how to take care of all this. And we'll touch on a lot of those things. So also on March 12th, the Ohio Department of Health Director Amy Acton instituted a ban on gatherings of more than 100 people with exemptions for airports, workplaces, restaurants, uh, some religious gatherings, weddings, and funerals. Despite having only 13 confirmed cases at the time, Ohio officials were predicting that there were already over 100,000 cases in the state, but they weren't ramped up for testing yet, so they just... Right. Had to guess. I remember that too. Uh, when Dr. Acton instituted that ban, I was like, well, okay. Exemptions for airports, workplaces, restaurants, religious gatherings, weddings, and funerals. How little we knew. That's like <laughs> everybody is exempt. Um, but then she, she compared the small number of cases to quote, seeing a star and knowing that light is a moment from the deep past as she argued for Ohioans to take steps to prevent further infections that could overload the state's hospitals. Some lawmakers and citizens could not imagine or even visualize what was about to happen. It reminds Mm -hmm. me of the flat earthers. If I can't see it, it can't be real. And that's when I first remember people saying that the state had no right to take these actions. But um, State Representative Amelia Sykes called Acton the real MVP of Ohio's coronavirus response. And on March 14th, uh, Mike DeWine and Amy Acton recommended that Ohioans... At 2 o'clock. Uh, <laughs> they recommended that Ohioans postpone elective surgeries. Yeah. Uh, this is when they were getting ready for um, where our hospitals are going to get flooded. You know, I don't think most people really understood the intent of flattening the curve so that the hospitals 
wouldn't be overloaded. I think most people believe that if we could flatten the curve, the virus, the virus would just die out yeah. and it would go away. But I remember acting clearly saying this was not the case. I mean, she explained this over and over and with she the graph. Re- I think she was really good at yeah. it. I mean, she explained the numbers were going to come no matter what we did. And the curve, that bell-shaped curve just needed to be pushed out so the hospitals and the doctors in the medical field, they could be, um, they could gather their equipment and they could get everything ready and temporary hospitals had to be established. And, and everyone was like, this is a, a load of crap. There's yeah, like 13 cases in the state. Yeah. It, it's not going to happen. And then they announced the next whammy on us. They ordered the closure of all bars and restaurants starting at 9 p.m. on March 15th, 2020. <laughs> saying that the government encouraged restaurants to offer carryout or delivery service, but they would not be allowed to have people congregating in businesses. Now pay attention to this date. This is March 15th. Only like three days. All this stuff is happening fast. But also, uh, DeWine said that he was concerned that with St. Patrick's Day coming up Tuesday, people would ignore warnings and go out to bars. So this is two days before one of the biggest drinking holidays of the year, and they're closing the bars. Yeah, and um, our, our Irish restaurant here in town, which normally throws a huge St. Patrick's celebration, it, we, it, 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 they didn't, they didn't have it. I will say that we, um, that was, I do remember that very, very well, um, because that is Pamela's birthday, your daughter, um, who, who has been on the show. Um, we, our local Irish restaurant, uh, the Dublin pub had a special, uh, commemorative bottle of Jameson that all the staff had signed. Um, and we got one for, that was Pamela's birthday gift that year. Um, and it said something on it about to be opened when the pandemic was over or something. Well, so tomorrow. we need to, I know we need to crack that open. Um, but all the staff had signed it and, and it was like a commemorative edition bottle. Um, but closing of the state's estimated 22,000 restaurants was expected to affect some 500,000 workers. DeWine instituted a liquor buyback program and expanded Ohio's unemployment insurance to cover laid off restaurant workers. And this was about the time that there was history in the making when Ohio approved liquor to go. (laughs) Apparently, Pennsylvania went the opposite of Ohio, relaxing sales at state stores and policies. Do you remember Governor DeWine trying not to smile as he asked the citizens of Pennsylvania at the request of their governor not to cross the state line in the border counties? To come to Ohio to buy liquor. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently, Pennsylvania had some different rules, and they yeah. cut liquor sales. It was so interesting. I remember um, we the rule just was that you could get any liquor to go any like anywhere the bars could serve you is fine. It just had to be in a quote unquote sealed container. So I was selling it with like I remember masking we. Tape. <laughs> He went to Kramer's, which is a local um, bar and watering hole. Uh, and food establishment. And food establishment. Yep. Um, they, they have some of the best pizza in Dayton. Anyway, uh, we went to Kramer's to get a pizza and a margarita, and they put our margarita in a soup bowl. I got a lime soup. With, <laughs> with a, like a lid on it, and then they just had like 
like scotch tape and they just taped the lid down and that was their sealed container. Uh, and that was kind of typical for restaurants. Like all of a sudden they had to get real creative on how to, um, cause that was a big portion well, of their sales. And again, so no one knew. And you think of all these restaurants, like say the dub pub yeah. who was that, set up and preparing for, for St. this. Patrick's Day, and then huge. they had all this food and all, everything they'd done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. they, they did the best they could with a weird situation. Yeah, well, um, and it was, it was pretty comical at first. I mean, people had to react quickly and literally overnight to adjust to a lot of the policies. Oh, and yeah, things that absolutely. Were going on. The state waived the qualifying waiting period as well as the requirement that individuals receiving jobless benefits must seek new employment. So in Ohio, if you're collecting unemployment, you have to show to get your unemployment, you have to show that you're actively seeking a job. Well, with no jobs to be had, the state waived that. And I think if you remember, we had Kathy on the mm-hmm. show who had just retired from uh, the state of Ohio, the unemployment section, and she came back on the show. Uh, there was even a special code that people were asked to use when applying for unemployment due to state-mandated closures. Yeah. It was like 555. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but there was a special coronavirus code. Yeah. The action also was extended to workers who are under quarantine or those who work in healthcare. DeWine announced his intention to close daycares and recommended parents remove their children from daycare if possible. So already we have the closing of the schools and now another wave of panic went through parents and caretakers. Um, because some of those schools, you know, they had already closed school a couple days beforehand. Yeah. You're not using panic lightly either. No. Um, he had just closed schools three days before. And so the parents had assumed, okay, well, they can't go to school. I'm going to have to send them to daycare because I still have to work. Now DeWine is saying, um, you can't send them to daycare either. And he said of uh, the closings that establishments, um, restaurants and stuff could stay open for carryout and delivery. Um, This is a quote from Mike DeWine. Uh, He said, what we can't have is people congregating and seated. Every day we delay, more people will die. If we do not act and get some distance between people, our healthcare system in Ohio will not hold up. The loss won't be only those impacted by COVID-19, but the danger is also to everyone else who needs hospital care for other issues. Amy Acton stressed the importance of flattening the curve, which we heard that phrase so many times over the last, year. She said, when our hospital systems are overwhelmed, that means if you are having a birth that you are planning, if you are in a car accident and need your hospital, if you have a stroke or an MI, even if you never get coronavirus, people in this country can die from something other than coronavirus. And I know that like that was the case for um, at least one person that I knew. Her mom ended up, she basically died of diabetes um, because she she couldn't. Put off going to the doctors. Yeah, because she yeah. couldn't get in. Yeah, you were, if, if we heard flatten the curve one time, we heard it a hundred times. So much. But I think that was intentional. Yeah. So it would be in yeah. people's minds. On March 16th, so remember, he closed, um, DeWine closed on March 12th was the day that he kind of started shutting things down. On March 16th, he banned gatherings of more than 50 people. And on March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, he ordered that all elective surgery be postponed. Now, at this point, elective surgeries had just recommended to be postponed. Now there's a health order saying that all elective surgeries will be postponed. And controversially, the state government indicated that this included abortions. 
On March 18th, DeWine announced that 181 uh, Bureau Motor Vehicle locations would be closed until further notice. Okay, and so, like, you know, when they say something like this, it's like, my driver's license expire. What am mm-hmm. I supposed to do? So, I mean, it, it sounds like simple little things, but in people's normal everyday lives, yep. this had impact on people and they had questions and they want to know because they don't want to be driving and get pulled over right. with expired license. Uh, they said five would stay open to process commercial driver li- driver's license applications and renewal. Uh, DeWine asked the state legislature to pass a grace period for people whose license had expired. Also, barber shops, salons, tattoo parlors were closed. And, you know, everyone, I remember like WHIO TV said, send us pictures of your haircuts. <laughs> yeah, remember that? And, yeah, and yeah. this was one of those things in the industry that I'm in. It was because, you know, um, we're not a spa. What? If you are, you know, if you work for as like an esthetician or something, um, how did that look? Because if you work independently or if you work in um, massage or if you work in um, occupational therapy or something like that, like where, what is, what is medical? What is not medical? Do you fall under this thing? Do you fall under that thing? This is what I was saying earlier that they their word choice kind of um, left a lot of holes that they didn't intend to leave and they didn't realize how many industries are going to be affected by these closings. Again, but look how fast this is happening. Oh, yeah. yeah this bus- is a week. Yeah, business that, that do stay open would, would have to take every employee's temperature every day before the start of work and they had to send everyone home with a temperature over 100.4 uh, the governor warned that if businesses did not comply, he would close all, ooh, what a controversial word this yeah. became, non-essential business. Now, on March 19th, Governor DeWine signed state active duty proclamations that activated 300 personnel from the Ohio National Guard, as well as a contingent of Ohio Military Reserve personnel to help with humanitarian efforts. Yeah. Matthias was part of that call-up. Yeah, he distributed son. food. Yeah, um, and it was, that was interesting. I remember him sending us pictures of, uh, they would, was it at the armory? No, it was in a parking lot somewhere. Um, they just had big, big tables set up and cars would like pull through and they would just give well, they, them, load they up would, their trunk with food. They would and, spend the week packing boxes. And then on yeah. Saturdays or whenever it was, they would go and they would, uh, lines and lines of people. Yeah, so many people. Yeah. I mean, so many people live paycheck to paycheck yeah. and now there's no paycheck right you, you got to feed the kids it, it was yeah it was like modern day bread lines um on march 20th dewine ordered senior citizen centers to close by march 23rd the next day he closed adult day services serving more than 10 people at a time saying he had delayed closing them until ensuring provisions had been made to care for those that served in them um, I will say that probably a lot of the thing, the things that didn't necessarily get reported by the media, I guarantee you, um, you know, Mike DeWine saying he had delayed closing day services until sh- ensuring provision. This didn't come necessarily as a huge out of the blue surprise to the people that are running those places. They had been communicating with email and stuff. It just didn't really get um, made public. Made public yeah. yeah. 
Now, on March 22nd, Amy Acton issued a statewide stay-at-home order to take effect from midnight on March 23rd through April 6th, requiring the closure of non-essential businesses. What's non-essential? What's essential? The day that that the stay-at-home order came down, that was a big landmark day. Um, And that was when everybody kind of... It was all the buzz on the internet. That was when the, that was when Netflix went <laughs> through Netflix stock and Hulu stock and Amazon stock and liquor stock went through the roof. Yeah, I mean it was people. I mean you <laughs> were you were asked time. to stay at home. You yeah. were allowed out for like emergencies to go to like drive through. But yeah, I remember uh, people talking like you know some of the major highways through through Dayton were like empty. Yeah. And, and a lot of, um, during this period was when I, we were one of the first to issue a stay at home order, but then other States would follow suit and around the world. And I remember pictures of like the Venice canals. That's one of the things that'll always stay with me is like before and after in the Venice canals and how clear the water got in just a few weeks of people not being out and people being people and doing people things and affecting the environment. And it just um, kind of weirdly gave me hope that we don't do, I mean, I, I definitely am on board with people affect the environment, um, but also that our nature and our, our planet is not so far gone um, that if we just stop, for a couple of weeks, give it a rest that it'll bounce back pretty quick. Anyway, um, DeWine ordered most childcare facilities to close beginning March 26th. And the state of Ohio Board of Pharmacy approved restrictions on the dispensing of chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine to treat COVID-19. Okay, now that sounds funny now, but at the time, these were the drugs that were being experimented with that right. was they were having success with. Yeah. With the treatment, not for the cure, but just the treatment. To and treat now, some of the symptoms and, and now, and you know, we're, we're way beyond that. Right. And again, I remember that becoming a political thing. Everything was so Everything political. turned political. Crazy. Everyone's sitting home on the internet. Yeah. Making memes. Not oh, memories, making memes. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I guess part of that was making memories too, but. Yeah, well, DeWine said that because the economic fallout from the closures, uh, the state would need to slow down the rate of spending, the state budget, rather rather dramatically, announcing on March 23rd a hiring freeze for the state, uh, a freeze on all new contract services, and a continuation of the freeze on state employee travel. He asked the cabinet members of the state legislature to find budget cuts of 20% according to Lieutenant Governor John Houston. On March 24th, Dr. Acton estimated that Ohio was 7 to 14 days behind New York State, which at the time was overwhelmed. And I remember seeing pictures of just people in hospitals and and setting up stuff in parking lots. Bodies bodies piled up in temporary morgues. Yeah, like it was crazy. Um, On March 26th, she announced... But we didn't see that in Ohio. No, we didn't. So people and, didn't and you have it. to, right. Um, and I think a lot of, uh, some of that might have been scare tactics too, because you look at the population of New York City compared well, how dense to, it is. yeah. yeah. Um, on March 26th, Dr. Acton announced that 17,316 Ohioans had been tested. 
and then on March 27th, she said that the state was at that time expecting cases to peak in mid-May at 10,000 new cases per day. And everyone said, no way. Yeah. I also want to mention at this point in time, um, we... It was kind of a weird time of everybody being locked up inside, but we also weren't necessarily locked up inside because you could go like, I remember, um, like taking the kids out for drives and there were things that people would do around here. We had the bear hunt. Do you remember the bear hunt? Yeah. People would put teddy bears bears in their window. Um, and you would just drive around and look for teddy bears in the window and you would kind of go on a bear hunt. And so you could get out of the house. Yeah. You were running the nook then. I, uh, that was like the end of the nook. Yeah. That was kind of the final days. And I would put all the kids in the van, um, and we would go on a teddy bear hunt and rainbows were another thing. Kids would color rainbows and stuff and put them in their windows. Um, and, uh, back then I was still on Facebook and there would be, uh, Facebook groups of like, this is where there's a heavy cluster of rainbows or teddy bears. And so even in the midst of all of this, like fear and panic and what is going on, there were some cool things that were going on too, people to were, make things livable. Yeah. People were finding ways to work through this. Yeah. On March 25th, the Ohio General Assembly passed House Bill 197, which did a lot of things like extend primary voting to April 28th, banning water utilities from disconnecting service, and waiving standardized testing for public schools. On March 28th, DeWine asked the FDA to issue an emergency waiver for the use of new technology that can steril or that could sterilize face masks. Because yeah. remember, there was a shortage of mm-hmm. masks. I do and remember no one that. Knew. And, you know, you, the M95 mask was gold. Oh, yeah. And you were asked not to use it. And if you had them, to please donate them to the doctors. Yeah. And I remember being so proud at the time because um, Battelle Labs in Columbus was the one that came up with the new technology that was being used all over the country, maybe even the world, of the, this, the world, sanit- yeah. this sterilization. And I just remember being... Um, I honestly had never been so proud to be an, I, and y'all know how proud I am to be a Daytonian and an Ohioan, but, um, it was during this time period that I was extra proud to be from Ohio because it's, I have a t-shirt that says Dayton girls solve problems. Uh, and, and that's kind of, I think of our city and in our, our state's legacy is how many inventors come from this area and, and just the, uh, I will shout it from the rooftops forever and ever that this is weird. We're awesome. <laughs> you know, it, it, it wasn't even a matter of them inventing this technology, which they did. But then you think what that did, that brought on the logistical thing. There had to be a plan to get the mask to Columbus. Yeah. And then get them sterilized and get them back out. So stuff like this just doesn't happen. It took a lot of smart people. It took a lot of effort to make just these, the what seems like the simplest thing, mm-hmm. just to make it happen. And I remember thinking those things. Yeah. Like that, that it just, you know, this just doesn't happen. You know, yeah. you just take your mask and get it sterilized and yeah. take it back. On April 2nd, DeWine announced during his daily press conference that there's a new method to divide the state into hospital capacity reasons. Now, remember, they're, they're still predicting being overwhelmed. The I remember watching the curve and they would keep pushing it out, mm-hmm. pushing they it were, out. We were flattening it. It, it was flattening it. And that's what gave the state time to prepare right. 
for this. And so they divided up in the state in these hospital regions that would be able to um, handle COVID patients. Right. They had special COVID hospitals too. Yeah. Um, that they they were they were just kind of um, well, they, they weren't they, very big. I don't think. Well, it, they had to like get the respirators and the, yeah. the machines there yeah. to to be able to handle this. And right. so, I mean, like this was a logistical nightmare. Aside from the medical standpoint, logistically, there was a, so much effort going on. On the third of April, Dewine extended Ohio's stay-at-home order through May first but added even more restrictions. Campgrounds had to close. All retail businesses had to uh, post signs limiting how many people were allowed in at one time. Wedding receptions were limited to 10 people, and the order also established a state board to evaluate what was an essential and a non-essential business because people were saying, yeah. they didn't know, am I essential, am I non-essential? And if right. I, I had to think back, knowing where we went, and if we jump ahead to November, which was the worst November, late November, December, which was the worst time in Ohio, basically everything was open. But again, I it's hard yeah. to criticize because at that point they didn't know. I think and this it was, was also the time period when they established um, special hours for elderly people. I think this is when that happened. Well, a lot of the stores, like the elderly, could go in and shop early. Right. They had, this is when um, yeah. there was an actual, I don't know if it was an actual mandate, I think it was an actual mandate, that the stores um, that sold groceries and things, they had to set aside special hours that were only for people over the age of 65, I think, or something like that, so that elderly people could go in um, and have special earlier hours that they could go in and not, you know, and it, it not be exposed as much to the general public to yeah. kind of help keep them and their weakened immune systems a little bit stronger. Yeah. Um, but this, you're right. This was when the real division amongst people started because who's essential? I'm essential. You're not essential. Yeah. And, and it was allowed and they, they prepared for this that I think my business is essential. So you could appeal to the board and they would make a decision. And yeah. like I said, I think if, Knowing what they know now, they would go back and we would have operated. I don't think any business would have been shut down as essential or non-essential. But at the time, they didn't know if this virus was being spread through contact, through the air. So they, they had to take the precautions that they did. Yeah. So I, I, I can't this fault is, them for doing this. No. And this is when... Uh I remember thinking it was it was kind of odd that suddenly grocery workers were like our new heroes. Um, they suddenly got pushed into the limelight for having to go to work essentially on the front lines. Like they, who would have ever thought that um, the person bagging your groceries was an essential worker? But you know, if it wasn't for those people working at at Kroger or um, you know, wherever your, whatever your Eagle foods or whatever it is that you, um, Publix where you shop for your groceries, those people were, were coming in, they were dealing with the public. They didn't get shut down. People needed to buy their groceries. And so they became, they were ranked right up there with the doctors and nurses as far as heroes go. Oh, people have to eat. Yeah. And on April 4th, Ohio recommended the wearing of cloth face masks when leaving home as a way to protect others, and thus a new fashion trend this, was born. And this really got people riled up and feeling like their rights were being trampled on. People had a hard time understanding 
that the mask was to prevent the wearer from spreading the virus and not the other way around. Oh my gosh, the memes. You know, you were a sheeple and you were afraid that, you know, if you wear your mask and you don't leave your basement and stuff like that, you were a sheeple. Yeah. Or if you are afraid, then avoid me. My mask has, you know, I, I don't, it just got crazy. Yeah. I just, how mad and how upset people got over this. Now, now I will admit, I never really understood why if I wore a mask, it didn't offer me any protection. I mean, if you sneezed and blew virus on me, wasn't my mask going to stop those virus particles? If it's going to stop it from going out, why wouldn't it stop it from going in? But the comparisons that we, people were coming up to <laughs> disprove this. If I fart and you can smell it, that means the virus can pass through your mask. You know, again, I will. That, I will admit that I did do some uh, independent testing with a lighter. Um, and my, in some of my masks, I bought masks from different, uh, locations. I bought some masks that were, I got some from Amazon. I got from, some from old Navy. I had cute masks. I had not cute masks. I had boring masks and I would, um, put them on and try to blow out a lighter, um, through my mask. And I know which ones worked better than others, Yeah, but, but I'm not going to disclose that and, information and remember, at this time. And remember on TV, you know, they were showing people sneezing and, and yeah, recreations and of and how, yeah. how far this would travel because you were asked to social distance for six feet. You know, all I can figure out is the mask probably did block the mask or the, the virus, but the, it was the wearer's lack of training to properly remove the mask or all the fumbling with their mask. And I increased the risk. I remember how upset you would get. And you got so grossed out by people that would wear the mask over their mouth, but not their nose. And you, I remember you saying, just, that's so gross. Like yeah. it just really bothered you. And, and not even from the health standpoint, it's just like, you could just see up their snot hole. <laughs> like accentuated it. Yeah. It's just like, it's right there. And there, there were a lot of things, um, with the masks that, uh, Again, maybe things that didn't get thought of. Um, I remember with um, like deaf people that relied on reading lips and stuff. Of and then we got the clear mask that didn't know sign language, the, the face mask, or, or the um, people who you know teachers that were not maybe not teaching from home because then you could still see on Zoom, but like reading comprehension and stuff that kids that were in speech therapy or whatever need to be able to see your mouth to see how you were forming words. So there were things with the mask. Um, I remember a doctor. Or no, I guess it was Governor DeWine saying um, kids with autism or sensory issues or adults even with autism or sensory issues were having problems with the mask because they were, um, you know, their sensory issues were preventing them from having to wear it. And there were all kinds of concessions that were coming up and who can wear, who can't, like actually can't wear a mask yeah. um, and, and it made sense for them to not wear a mask and who had to. And it was, just, there was so much stuff. I love reading the comment section of the, of the news of the articles that post up and especially the ones about mask and this whole situation. Finally, even that got old because it was the same thing <laughs> every day, every article. It was, you're a sheeple, you're wearing yeah. a mask. If you're afraid, why don't you just stay home? I think this was one or, I got or the Facebook. other one is. 
the mask is not designed to protect me. It's designed to protect you. And it it, it was the it's same thing. It's designed to protect everybody. Every single day. I'm, and I even got tired of that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is when I quit Facebook. Yeah. DeWine signed an executive order removing training requirements from mental health and for marriage counselors to make and it allowed them to make telehealth visits more easily accessible. On the 9th of April, the Ohio Department of Health released a video demonstrating the effect of social distancing that went viral, according to the Washington Post. Um, Ohio did release some yeah, pretty there were good, some good commercials. Pretty good commercials. Uh, a video from the Ohio Department of Health showed a minefield of mouse traps and table tennis balls, row upon row that turn into a predictable maelstrom of flying debris once a bouncing ball tumbles into view. It was a metaphor for the menacing spread of the coronavirus where just one person interacting with others could produce a chain reaction of devastating consequences. It was among the clearest visualizations of how proximity can turn lethal and, conversely, how isolation could turn the tide. If I can't see it, it doesn't happen. <laughs> In the second half of the video, the traps are spaced at greater distances as the table tennis ball bounces across the floor without triggering any hazards. And on April 15th, Mike DeWine announced that he had asked the Ohio Hospital Association to begin developing a plan to start treating people whose non-COVID-19 elective procedures were deferred or delayed. The Ohio Department of Health established a tier system to prior prioritize testing on April 22nd. DeWine shared um, additional details on how the state would reopen. Phase one of the reopening would begin on May 1st. On April 20th, uh, DeWine announced that Ohio's K-12 schools would remain closed for the remainder of the academic year. On the 30th of April, DeWine and Amy Acton amended the stay-at-home order and extended it to May 29th, calling it the stay safe order. Yeah, and I remember, um, so one of our friends, it was this was her first year teaching and she was a kindergarten teacher. And so a lot of these new teachers, uh, veteran teachers weren't prepared for all of this and they didn't know, it was a big scramble. Some businesses were allowed to open on a limited basis, including dentists and veterinarians on May 1st, manufacturing, distribution, construction, general offices on May 4th, with employees working from home if possible, and retail businesses on May 12th with employees and customers wearing masks. On May 19th, which is my birthday, Governor DeWine announced an urgent health advisory, Ohioans protecting Ohioans order. Elements of the previous state home order became strong recommendations. And the following day, DeWine announced that three new orders had been signed. One order partially rescinded the April 30th Stay Safe Ohio order, one issued a series of health advisories, and the Camp Safe Ohio order specified how campgrounds in Ohio could reopen. On June 18th, DeWine expressed concern about a spike in cases in southwestern Ohio, where do we live, and suggested that people in 13 specific zip codes within uh, five counties, Hamilton, Montgomery, Green, our county, Warren, and Clark, should get tested. He said the National Guard unit should be in the area to help provide with the testing. On July 2nd, a four-level system was introduced for classifying the severity of outbreaks in individual counties. They call that the, uh, the dashboard now. The system is based on seven metrics, including new cases, cases per capita, cases in non-congregant environments, ICU bed occupancy, and sustained increases in hospital admissions. Those classifications are updated on Wednesdays. 
On July 8th, DeWine announced that the wearing of face coverings in public would become mandatory in any county that is under level three alert or higher. And I hated this order because um, we sit on the edge of two counties and Green County at this point where we live was not under a level three, but Montgomery County, which is the next county over where a lot of businesses that we patron are, uh, it was under it a was level confusing. three. It was very confusing. So where did we have to wear a mask? Where didn't we have to wear a mask? And then the angry people because <sighs> they were asked to. It's horrible. Yeah. That order applied to any enclosed public spaces, outdoors when social distancing is not possible, or when using public or private transport services. Thankfully, in my eyes anyway, on July 22nd, DeWine announced that that mask mandate would be extended statewide beginning on July 23rd at 6 p.m. And then, thankfully, all of that confusion kind of went away. I didn't realize that there was that much time between it, um, July 8th to July 22nd. It feels like it was just a couple of days, but well, it, it was actually like several over, weeks. over summer, it seemed like the virus kind of sl- the spread slowed yeah, down. Yeah, I think because more people were doing outside, outside activities yeah. instead of indoors. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. So, but that was over the summer. Things kind of calmed down a little bit. But then in October, DeWine announced the formation of COVID-19 defense teams to fight the pandemic in each county. And the teams were made up of those in the medical field, mayors, religious leaders, and businesses. And that, I remember that was a big thing. The religious, um, the churches were, most of the churches were pretty cool about like, we want our parishioners to be safe. We're going to still hold services. We're going to hold them online. Um, you know, we're sad that we can't all be together, but then there were some churches who were like, you're trampling on my religious freedoms and we're going to continue to congregate. We don't say, care what you say. Uh, and that was kind of a hot button issue there for a yeah, minute. It, it was, it was, I yeah. mean, yeah, I just remember all the, it's all flooding back in my mind. Yeah. On November 11th, DeWine announced additions to the mask mandate, which included requiring businesses to post face covering requirement signs at all public entrances. Okay, I don't understand the point of that, but that's what happened. A new order pertaining to public gatherings prohibits dancing and games, which requires people to be seated and wear masks while eating. On November 16th, DeWine announced that he opposed a second shutdown, instead favoring a slowdown. We don't want to shut this state down, said DeWine. That has ramifications for mental health. It has ramifications for more drug addiction, overdoses. I mean, all things... These things go up when you shut the state down and we do not want to do that. Yeah. And I will say Ohio, like in our area of Ohio, where also Mike DeWine lives in our area, um, we were the opioid capital of the country at one point in time. And so I'm sure that that probably played a part in this decision. Yeah. A formal announcement on the slowdown was on Tuesday, November 17th. In the announcement, DeWine gave the information on a new curfew retelling requiring retail businesses to close between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. During those hours, people in Ohio are supposed to stay at home with certain exceptions, such as seeking medical treatment, going to work, or you could go get fast food or something like that. The curfew would begin on November 19th and was the last for 21 days. And like we said earlier, November was the high water mark in Ohio for mm. cases, for deaths, it was just, it, it skyrocketed. Yeah. And people, again, the memes. Oh, so the virus doesn't live <laughs> yeah. between yeah. 10 and... The virus goes to bed at 10. 10. Yeah, the virus goes to bed at 10 and wakes up at 5. What On- a smart virus. <laughs> On December 7th, DeWine announced that the curfew would be extended. And on December 10th, he extended the curfew until January 2nd. 
Also on December 10th, Mike DeWine unveiled the Stay Safe Ohio protocol for the holiday season. Ho, ho, ho. On December 30th, he announced that he would extend the curfew until January 23rd. And he announced that schools would be allowed to resume full in-person learning on March 1st, but students would be required to wear masks and social distance. And a lot of schools did a lot of different things. Some of them um, did, I know our local school district did like a hybrid program where you could decide whether you wanted to do. I wish I owned stocking Chromebook. Oh man. Um, Our local district decided that you could do either online or you could do in person, but you had to commit for the entire semester to whichever one you wanted to do, which I thought was a really good way of doing it. Um, Some schools went fully, stayed fully remote. Some schools allowed in-person. A lot of teachers remained, uh, some teachers went back in the classroom. Some districts had designated online teachers. It was, but this time, at this point, at least they'd had kind of the summer to get their act together and figure out what was going on instead of the the initial closure of like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? Kids learned how to use their Chromebooks and their things were kind of, it was, it it was, people were getting used to the. I'll say the new normal and people were getting used to it. The kids were getting used to it. Yeah. But you know, the thing is, and I don't think people recognize it. It, it gave people a choice. The state didn't mandate you will no. do this. And it gave people a choice whether they recognized it or not. Right. And it, I, I think a lot of people don't realize that and just say the state's trampling on my no. rights. They don't realize how much the state, you you had a choice. You had choices. Um, and as far as education goes, I'll be really interested to see how much online learning affected overall education. I know um, from a kindergarten standpoint, uh, our little twin granddaughters tried to do remote kindergarten, and that is a terrible idea. They no. <laughs> remote kindergarten doesn't work. Um, anyway, Mike DeWine. Um, announced on January 2nd that he would extend the curfew until January 30th. And then finally on February 11th, the curfew was lifted. Okay. So what's happening now? The, the vaccinations had received emergency approval Mm -hmm. and people, the old folks who were the most vulnerable were, were starting to get their shots. So they could see the trends over a little bit of time that the death rate had stopped going, you know, had stopped affecting the elderly generation as much and the more vaccinations were coming in. And so on March 8th, now we're in 2021 now. Yeah. We're in 2021. We've on been March, almost a year. Yeah. On March 8th, uh, governor DeWine announced that coronavirus restrictions would end once the number of cases reached 50 per 100,000 people for two consecutive weeks. And I remember going to the calculator of, you know, <laughs> when, when are we going to do this? Because at that time, Cases were at 179 per 100,000 people on March 4th, which was down significantly yeah. from, we had from a, November, there was December. Definitely yeah. a ray of hope. Um, and I remember thinking that probably it would be like somewhere between mid-May to mid-June because b- based on trends, it seemed like every two weeks um, it was getting cut in half. And so I said, I, I bet you... Mid-May to mid-June at some point is when these health orders are going to be lifted. Um, In early April, the health orders were consolidated and mass gatherings were permitted so long as people stayed in groups of 10 or fewer. On the 27th, Governor DeWine announced that uh, those who were fully vaccinated will not have to quarantine if exposed to a person with COVID. On May 12th, DeWine announced that all COVID health orders, including mask mandate, will be lifted on June 2nd. I remember his words. He goes, Basically, it was 
you all are adults. You can make your own decisions about this. You know, you're responsible adults. Right. And I think he set that out. I mean, he probably could have lifted it right then. But I think in my mind, what he did was we have enough vaccinations. There's enough sites. You don't have to have a doctor's. You know, you can go and get your shot about anywhere right now. You've had time and it's a calculated risk. Yeah. You have you have a couple more weeks to get your shots. And I think that he waited until June 2nd as well because he didn't want to let today's Memorial Day. Um, and I think that he wanted to wait until after the holiday because for the same reason that he shut down right before St. Patrick's Day, Memorial Day is a big gathering day for barbecues and, you know, so on and so forth. I think he really wanted to, even though it didn't necess- it's not necessarily happening this way, but I think technically you wanted to wait until after the big holiday. Yeah. And, it, and again, to me, it gave people, you, yeah. got, you got three weeks it's after calculated that. calculated risk for after you. After that, it's on you. Yep. It's on you. Now that was on May 12th. What happened on May 14th? Because <laughs> I kind of oh. thought this one was a little funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, DeWine announced that the remaining health orders, okay, so what happened right after DeWine did that, said that, the next day the <laughs> CDC came out with their big surprise announcement, Yeah, and DeWine reacted immediately and said, on May 14th, he said uh, that the remaining health orders would be updated to reflect changes with the CDC's new guidelines. I could almost picture him sitting in his office just face palming, being like, really? Yeah. Really, <laughs> CDC? You couldn't have clued me in on this before? You know, a text, an email. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so literally like the day after he issued his thing saying, um, you know, I'm going to lift the health orders on January 2nd or uh, July, June 2nd, the CDC said, you don't have to wear a mask anymore if you're vaccinated. And so then he had to kind of backpedal and be like, all right, I guess if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask in Ohio anymore. Um, Starting May 17th is when that amended health order allowed fully vaccinated people not to wear masks. We are now only hours from June 2nd when all health orders will be lifted. With with, with, with a few, yeah, with with a few exceptions. Right. Yeah. (sighs) <sighs> finally yeah but I, I think back to episode 34 when our our episode was pandemic 1918 it seems like we had the same issues back then and we all just had to live through this and go through it i um, i would love to go back and listen to those early episodes and hear like back then what did we think and what did we, I, I haven't had a chance you've listened to a couple of them i yeah, haven't had a chance this, to yeah. Um, but yeah, go back through and listen to episode like 34 through 39, um, back when we were still kind of gearing up for all of this. And I remember, I think I even said on one of the episodes that you said, we said something about, um, the Spanish flu epidemic lasting for 18 months. And I was like, oh gosh, that's so long. I hope our, I surely ours is not going to last that long. And here we are 18 months later. And again, that was from a non-doctor standpoint. That was right. me doing exactly what I said. Yeah. Just historically, this is what happens. But yeah, I realized crazy. that may happen or may not. Yeah. And yeah. So, you know, I just hope the people keep all this and, and someone has taken notes. So when we go through another pandemic in uh, a, a hundred years or so, hopefully, yeah. that, you know, we'll, we'll remember all this and someone will like go into the, the basement of the Capitol building, pull out a book and <sighs> <laughs> Let's blow not even off talk the dust. About the and, and, building. Yeah. 
uh, Ohio's capital. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the big difference this time was social media. It's so, a hundred years from now, this is going to be so well documented. Like they're not even going to have to blow off the book because it's going to be out there on the internet. We didn't even touch the controversy on vaccines. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole other episode. You can go back and listen to that one. We already covered it. Yeah. My personal thoughts on all this is remove the politics. If you possibly can do that and look at this factually and without your political bias. And I realize that's hard for a lot of people yeah. to do, that you're still going to have your political bias. But that's that's how I've tried to train and develop myself, to not look at it things politically, sure. to just look at facts. Yeah. And then, you know, the political bias is going to come in on things, but I, I try to just look at it factually. And I think Ohio Governor DeWine... Um, and the state of Ohio did an outstanding job. I'll go on record. I'll say I agree. Outstanding job in all this. Uh, I agree completely. I think was, um, Dr. Acton, God love her. I think she is a state hero. Governor DeWine, I thought, did a fabulous job. It, it was, a, to me, it was a very courageous thing he did at the very beginning. Yeah. Was everything perfect? No, it, it wasn't. But I believe Ohio did what they believed at the time was in the best interest of all us Buckeyes and with the information that they had at the time based on facts, data, and actual science, not pseudoscience, but actual science. (laughs) I mean, you can disagree if you want to, but our hospitals never exceeded capacity. Um, But Ohio was prepared if that happened. We were ready. You know, where we stand right now, as of one day ago, there's been 19,860, 19,861 deaths with a total of 1.1 million cases and 59,155 hospitalizations in Ohio. That's a lot. Yeah, and as I looked at the dashboard, I think in the past couple days, there have been no deaths attributed attributed to uh, coronavirus. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Regardless of how you feel about vaccines, I am going, I am, made no mistake about it. I am a pro vaxxer. I have my vaccine. Steve has his vaccine. Um, you know, thank you to those of you who have taken this virus seriously, uh, the entire time and have done what you need to do to protect your fellow human beings, um, and have looked out for each other. Uh, thank you to, of course, all of the people in the healthcare industry. Thank you to our teachers. Thank you to our, um, like the retail workers that have had to get out there. Um, thank you so very much to the state of Ohio department of unemployment. Uh, it just, there has been a lot of, of, um, behind the scenes gears working in all of this. Um, and so hopefully, you know, everybody remember the things that you learned from this. Hopefully you did learn something from it. Um, hopefully you and your family maybe grew a little bit closer from having to spend time either together or away from each other. Sometimes you didn't get to spend time with your family and you may realize, you know, it's that whole absence makes the heart grow fonder things. Um, maybe you learned a little bit about yourself. Maybe you learned the value of kind of slowing down and taking a minute. Um, but hopefully whatever you got out of this pandemic, uh, hopefully you, you learned something. Yeah. So, I mean, just because an hour of your life has declared <laughs> VE day or VC day, the virus is still out there. It yeah. looks like it is waning. Be responsible and, though. Yeah, still, still be responsible. You know, if there's a business that's still requiring you to wear a mask, don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. Just 
just comply I and guarantee you their staff do what doesn't they get ask. paid enough to deal you, with you. You don't know. There might be someone in there that has another health problem. That Absolutely. They, you, you just don't know. So don't be a jerk about it. Yeah. And thank you, Governor DeWine, Amy Acton. Thank you. Yeah. Dr. Amy, God love you. I hope nothing but success for you. Um, that's one thing that we talked about kind of at one point is that Mike DeWine knew what he was signing up for when he became governor. Um, he didn't know about this. Well, no, but there's a lot of vitriol and, and meanness that comes with dealing with politics. Dr. Acton is a doctor. She wants to save lives and help people. She's not a politician. So I hope that you are completely ashamed if you were one of those people that was bad-mouthing her um, because that's not, she wanted to help everybody. Um, and and I wish her nothing but the best um, because she really is one of my personal heroes. I, I absolutely adore her. As we are we, way over time. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I do want to mention, as, um, as we said earlier, today is Memorial Day. Today is not the day to go out and thank a veteran. Today is the day to remember those who gave their lives. Yes. Um, I also would encourage you, if you have not listened to it, or if you have listened to it and would like to revisit it, please go back and listen to our special episode, um, The Summit Project. I would like to give a hearty shout out to all of the TSP crew who is hiking um, today. Uh, we we love you. Um, we honor your, your soldiers and their memories. Um, and our thoughts are definitely with you today, even though we are not with you in person. Maybe yeah. next year. Yeah, but go out and... and, and- Take, take a few moments to remember those that gave their lives in service this nation. Uh, I also do want to say to those of you who are in the armed services, um, please, if you are, if, if you are suffering from um, the loss of a brother or sister in arms today, um, and it's really hitting you hard, please talk to someone. Um, we, we don't want to lose you as well. Uh, so, um, PTSD for our servicemen and women returning home after the loss of um, their brothers and sisters in combat is a real thing. It is a real issue. Uh, and if that is you, please speak to someone. All right. So, Kim. Yeah. How do they get hold of us? You can find us at anhouroofyourlife.com or you can write to us at alosthour at gmail.com or you can find us on all the socials. And also don't forget to check out every probably Thursday morning, um, the 937 podcast. If you're local, uh, we'll have an updated one uh, coming out on Wednesday night, probably. Wednesday night. You'll be ready to listen to Thursday morning. Yep. All right. So from our studios in Sugar Creek Township. Thanks for spending an hour of your life with us. So our sources this week are a lot of statistics from the Ohio dashboard and Wikipedia, who had a pretty good timeline of what happened since last January. In our own brains. In our own brains.